What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kund, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how they do collide. Today is a different type of episode. It is a early bet segment. So today I'm excited to have on Anisha Sungerneni on the show um, to chat on this early bet segment. Welcome to the show. How's it going, Anisha? It's going well. How are you doing today? It is going pretty good. I am. This is the third day in a row. I'm sure people listening are sick of me saying this, but I've I've this energy. I've recently had this energy later in the day, which hadn't existed earlier in the year. I don't know why, but I'm just like energetic. I think I'm drinking less coffee, so it's having an inverse effect. So I'm doing pretty good. Well, it's good. Maybe you should like work out in the evenings, you know, release some of that energy. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm with that. I, uh, I have a lot of energy. It's, it's, it's like sometimes helps me, sometimes hurts me, but overall it's, it, it, I think it's a pretty, pretty solid thing. So you, so to give people context, there, we had a conversation earlier this morning for the, uh, for the first time we were Twitter friends and then you're like reached out and then, and then, you know, we had a conversation. I'm like, you're pretty interesting. Um, and I wanted to have you on the podcast so people could learn more about you. We could have a conversation and just kind of, we could hear about how you think about stuff. So I think yeah. to start, can you just tell, um, can you just tell me like a basic intro, who you are, what you're interested in, what you do, any, any, you can include anything you want, but kind of who, who is Anisha? Yeah, sure. So I guess like I'll preface this by saying that I do have a pretty non-traditional background coming into tech. So I'll just go into that a little bit. Um, So I've been in the Bay Area, so kind of like surrounded by tech for like most of my life. My dad's like in tech, my younger brother's in tech. Um, But I decided I want to become a doctor. So I actually went down that route. And for probably half of my life, I was dead set on becoming a doctor to the point that this time last year, I was actually in medical school. So um, I, you know, majored in biology. I was in Philadelphia at Drexel University for college, and I actually did medical school in Philadelphia at Drexel's uh, College of Medicine as well. And I went so far as starting my third year of medical school, completing a rotation in psych. Um, and at that point in time, I was, I was having like a lot of just, um, you know, hesitations in terms of like continuing down that path. Um, And I think for me, it was very much almost like an identity thing because for so long and for like, you know, for, for literally like half of my life, like since the beginning of high school, it was very much, you know, about research and shadowing doctors and doing all the things that like people who want to become a doctor do all of the, you know, traditional Red Cross club, um, you know, volunteering at a hospital. I did all of that um, in high school. I did it in college as well. Um, I was in the EMS team. I majored in biology. Um, 
I actually really didn't enjoy majoring in biology. <laughs> you would think that I would have thought about it then, but um, the entire time that I was in college, I had always told myself, hey, it's a means to an end. I need to get through this to get to the next step. And then down the line, I'm going to become a physician. And that's what you know my dream was. Um, so I always kind of like justified it by saying like, this is what I have to do in order to get to that end point. Um, and once I got to medical school, that was like the first time in my life probably that I actually felt like I was, you know, sinking a little bit. And it was like a little bit of a struggle to keep my head above water in terms of just like the content that's thrown at you, um, just like the, the depth of the information. Um, and I think the thing that threw me off the most was the way that you need to study it. You need to just sit down, <laughs> open the books and like memorize everything. It was like straight up rote memorization and that was not something I enjoyed. And I also think that it's not something that's aligned with like my natural skill set, which has always been much more, you know, process driven, analytical. If I'm presented with a problem, I like to think through the steps um, with information that I either know or I'm given and kind of determine how to come to a solution. However, in med school, um, as a very like generalization kind of point of view, it was very much, you have to know the information in order to get the answer. And if you, it was much more binary. If you don't know that information, you can't get the answer no matter like how thorough your thought process might be. And that was incredibly frustrating for me since that just didn't align with the way that I typically processed uh, problems. And so um, I loved everything about medical school outside of that. So I loved interacting with patients. I loved the clinical setting. I loved anything that was more application-based, going to the gross anatomy lab. Um, I loved all of that. However, the reality was that a lot of my time was spent studying. And in the sense of studying, it was like rote memorization. Um, so it was very much like a push and pull. And I kept kind of pushing, pushing because I was like, hey, my end goal is to be a doctor. This is what I got to do. You know, everyone like, you know, struggles in medical school. It's not easy for anyone. And while that's true, um, I think it was kind of just like a struggle with myself because I kind of associated like my identity almost to like being like a medical student to becoming someone who was going to be a doctor. Um, and it was like really diff difficult to like kind of divorce myself from that. Um, but by the time I got to like the end of my second year going into my third, um, it was like just coming to the point where I was like super stressed. It was taking like emotional, physical toll on me. Um, and I had to like kind of sit down and think like, Hey, like I'm doing all of this and pushing myself. But like when I get to the end, like I keep saying like the like means justify the end. When I get to the end, am I going to be happy? And am I going to feel like fulfilled in my career? And in medicine, it's very much like a field that there's not as much like movement in terms of like the role you are in when you're a doctor you end up being in a certain specialty and more often than not you kind of are in that specialty for the rest of your career um and i i've always had a lot of different interests and i was like i don't know if i want to be like you know a pediatrician for the rest of my life or a surgeon for the rest of my life and you don't really have that mobility um and not only that i was like you know not even, I was still five years out. So I was um, in medical school. I needed to finish my third year of medicine, fourth year of medicine, and then a minimum of three years of residency, if not more. So I was like, do I push myself for five more years to get to a point where I'm a practicing physician? And at that point, can I see myself being happy? And I was like, well, if I'm kind of pigeonholed into a certain specialty and I don't really enjoy it, but I'm stuck in it, I'm not going to be happy. 
And I don't really enjoy this rote memorization aspect. However, in the medical field, even as a physician, you're going to constantly be learning more information and you constantly have to memorize that information in order to be able to treat your patients well. And that's, you know, kind of fundamental to your job and to being a good doctor. Um, and I was like, I'm, I'm not going to enjoy that, but it's like important for me to do that so I can treat my patients well. So then it kind of came down to the question of like, will I, you know, do something that I don't enjoy, like the rote memorization in order to treat my patients well? Um, because, you know, the whole point of me going into medicine was to be a good doctor to be able to treat those patients. Or do I get so jaded and like hate everything and then you know that reflects in me not doing as good of a job at my job and maybe not memorizing things or having that foundational knowledge to the extent I need to and then that translating to you know not being able to care for my patients as well as I otherwise would um, which would be defeating the entire purpose of me going into medicine in the first place so I kind of had to like you know just reconcile all of those thoughts and it came to a point where I had to draw the line and say like this is something that I had wanted for a really long time, but I'm now realizing that that's not the path that I want to continue down. Um, and while I still have a lot of like passion for the field of medicine, I think I'm going to walk away and not be in the role of a physician. Um, so that was last year, August. Um, and this September, fast forward, um, that was the point where I was like, hey, I'm going to jump into tech for like all the reasons that I struggled with like medicine as a field and those being like the flexibility is available in tech if i want to you know be in one role and then expand my skill set and then potentially get into a different role while that might not be incredibly easy that opportunity does exist and it's possible to do that um and i also wanted to get into a field where there would be an opportunity for me in the future to possibly use my experience in medicine to like, you know, do good or influence or experience like something um, and have that translate. And that was something that was possible in tech with all of these healthcare companies that are coming about, med tech, and just my very real experience in the field of medicine could be potentially useful in the future. Um, so like, those are some of like the primary reasons. And I did, you know, try out coding and I was like, hey, like I can actually use like the analytical, you know, train of thought that I like, like to do. I can, it's much more process driven. It's not memorization based. Um, and I really enjoyed like creating, you know, products from code and seeing that translate um, in like application based way. So. I was like, this, this seems like an appropriate fit for me. So I then joined Lambda School in their web development program. Um, and fast forward again, I actually just like finished Lambda School and now I'm on the lookout for jobs. So it's kind of bringing me to where I am today. Okay, thank you for sharing all of that. It's good to get, I, th I think what's so interesting about everyone just in the world, but specifically in tech is that we all made our way here somehow through this way, through this family member, through this school, through this interest, we, we all kind of got here in some way. And it seems like I want to, I want to start with this one topic um, and then sure. we can see where it goes. It seems like we get to tech, uh, we get to tech and then we all go to Twitter <laughs> and it, like, like great words. Now let's get on Twitter and uh, we can converse with each other. And I want to start here because I, it's where we, um, it's where we got connected. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of where a lot of 
magic happens in technology of communication of meeting people it's how ultimately to be honest like people don't know this but twitter is how jason ended up investing in our company like because like because of twitter like it's how we built a relationship so it's, it's great um so my first question for you or my next question is sure. wh- why did you did you did you why did you get on twitter uh whenever uh-huh. you did and uh, um, how did you make your way as you've gone through your uh, journey in Lambda school? How did you make your way to the little tw- Twitter community you found yourself in today? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess I'll start off by saying that um, I made a Twitter. I checked today <laughs> after a conversation earlier this morning. I made a Twitter in October. Um, I joined Lambda in September and I remember them saying, hey, you guys should make a Twitter because there's an active tech Twitter community that you should go and engage with. Um, And I guess I'll start off by saying that Lambda is a remote community and it's like a remote coding bootcamp. So that kind of was, uh, to me, it was like, hey, you know, we're a remote community. There is an active community. So you can still network and make connections with people within like the tech world, even though you might not be doing that in person. Um, and so I made a, ta- I made a Twitter. I kind of was lost initially. I followed some accounts. Um, I might've engaged a little bit, but by and large, when I initially made it, I didn't really know how to go about it. I didn't really know, um, you know, who to follow or how to tailor my feed to my interests or, you know, how to engage with people that I didn't know because prior to me making a Twitter, all of my social media usage had been maybe through like, you know, Snapchat or Instagram. And those are very different platforms where I personally like knew the people that I was like following. Um, And it was like a much more private kind of engagement because they were my friends or people that I knew on like an acquaintance basis. So when I came into like the world of Twitter, I was like, I don't know any of these people and my friends aren't on Twitter. They're definitely not on tech Twitter. So it's not like I can pretend to engage with people that I already know. And that was something that was very new to me. Like, how do I kind of engage with strangers in a meaningful way? Um, Not just, you know, agreeing to them or hitting like just because I can. Um, I definitely wanted to be purposeful with my interactions. Um, So I, I actually took a break from Twitter. I didn't really use it very much because I couldn't, you know, really figure it out. I didn't really know where to start. Um, I kind of just left it on standby for a while. Um, And in, I'd say like March and April, when like the pandemic was like starting again, um, I actually got involved with um, this really cool COVID dashboard project with a few data scientists and other web developers. And we created this like really awesome, very beautiful um, COVID dashboard. And we actually promoted that on Twitter. So then I got back on Twitter. I, you know, retweeted it. I posted about it. I included the links for it. Um, and it was great. We got a lot of engagement with that. But again, like it was almost only for that purpose that I like hopped back on. Um, kind of used it to promote my work and show people that, you know, this is what I've been up to. Um, Then I took a break again. And it wasn't until the end of like May this year. So literally just like a month and a half ago that I was finishing up my curriculum at Lambda School. And I was, you know, we're in the middle of this pandemic. I was like, I can't really network in person, but I really would like to build a stronger community of people that I know that are within like the tech world, because right now I don't really know that many people, um, especially given my background in medicine, my primary like network is within that area. So I kind of was like, let me get back on Twitter and like, you know, 
see if I can like, you know, engage with people and meet people and like kind of, kind of give this like another try. Um, and so I got back on and I, I think I was like a lot more meaningful in terms of like who I followed. So I definitely was purposeful when I followed someone, I was like, okay, do I like the content that they put out? Are they kind of in a role that I can, you know, see myself like in, in the future? Or am I interested in the space that they're in? Um, is this someone that I like look up to for advice or are they, you know, someone I can read about? Um, so it was much more meaningful in terms of like the people that I, you know, followed and that kind of led to kind of curating my timeline and like the kind of just posts that I see day to day. And I think from there, it kind of just like snowballed because I was interested in the kind of content that was appearing in my Twitter feed. So that made it much more easy to genuinely engage with that content. Um, and that kind of just happened naturally. Um, I ended up also very, I guess, like serendipitously as happens on Twitter. Um, I came across someone who was talking about this app called Road Trip. Um, and it was a new social audio app that had music along with it. And they were, you know, saying, hey, if anyone wants like an invite to this beta app, like hit me up. So I was like, okay, like I know this person, like I'm going to, I'm going to message them for this beta app. Um, and I ended up getting on this beta app and there were a bunch of other people. And um, I got on, on like the first day that it released. And since it was like a social audio app, it was really interesting because I basically got to like speak with people and like, that made it even more easy to kind of connect with them um, in somewhat more of like authentic fashion. Um, and, you know, I connected with them on that app and then I was like, hey, what's your Twitter? We connected on Twitter um, and I kind of just, you know, did a little bit more of that and it just seems to be like, okay, like I met this one person and they, you know, they know like another person and I happen to engage with that person and it kind of just like snowballs. Um, and lately I've been having a lot of like really interesting conversations with people that I've met on Twitter. And I think I've become a little bit <laughs> bolder, I'd say, in terms of just, you know, initiating that I, I know I slid into your DMs <laughs> and I, I just, you know, talked about a, a thread that really resonated with me. Um, I think it was about you discussing insiders versus outsiders in BC. And I think if I, if I had initially just looked at the title, um, it wouldn't have made that much sense. But when I read through, it really resonated with me. So I wanted to reach out and like, let you know. So I kind of did that with a few other people um, in, in terms of like, you know, things they posted or things they had written or just simply like, you know, the role that they were in. Um, and I've realized that if you, if you make the effort to reach out in like a meaningful way and, you know, they have the time and are willing to kind of chat with you. It's a really amazing way to make those connections that you might not be able to like on any other place except for like Twitter. So that's been my experience and hopefully I'll get to keep making connections that way. For sure. That's, that's, it's awesome to hear how you use Twitter, how you think through meeting people, et cetera. A couple of things that I, that I, that I kind of caught there is there's this, these events that happen when someone breaks into tech that are kind of like not pivotal, but like, Oh, like this is something that doesn't, I don't usually have access to. This is like a rare opportunity. Let's jump on that. And then like a couple of weeks later, Oh, like there's this thing like that is, isn't your average opportunity. Let, let's jump on that. Um, and, and this is kind of how I think I, I feel like most people might feel this way. This is a, largely how a career in tech is, 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 is made. Like it's pretty average every day, except for the times when it's not. And that's the day mm -hmm. that's when it counts. 
how how do you think about these opportunities when they pop up? And what I'm going to reference the two that I'm thinking of, and then I just want to like hear kind of your overall thoughts. You mentioned you had the opportunity when you were at Lambda School to work on this COVID dashboard with some really smart people, and like you launched that. And like that's like something you know that just kind of came together. You were a part of that. Additionally, you got an invite to Matt Mazeo's road trip app. We got a big deal. You know, it's like you get in there, and then like you're optimizing for it. Do you do you consciously um, look for opportunities like that? Do you just are you just opportunistic when they come? I just I, I don't know. I just noticed that you like your things happen and you kind of like seems like you take advantage of them. Do, are you conscious of this? I don't know. How, do you, what do, what do you think about kind of what what I'm saying? Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to <laughs> unpack it before I respond fully. Um, I think part of it is definitely like my personality. I've always like really enjoyed interacting with people and kind of engaging and just being involved. Um, that's been something that has been true of me, like since like, you know, high school or college, like I've always been involved in so many different initiatives, so many different clubs. And I really enjoy, um, you know, meeting new people and getting involved and finding ways that I can like help and also like finding ways that I can like learn, whether it's like through like specific skills or through like the people that I meet. Um, and I feel like I've always, I've always felt that the broader that you kind of cast your net and like the different kinds of people that you meet, like there's so many different things that they can teach you that you might otherwise not have learned or been, you know, exposed to. Um, so I think that might just be something that I kind of try to, um, you know, do even, even in life, like whether it's like, you know, getting on a new project or being like, okay, like, let me go try out this app. Um, I'm always like kind of, looking for opportunities to meet people that I can like learn from um, and just be exposed to different perspectives because I find that the more different people that you kind of interact with, all of that kind of informs your perspective of the world and the way that you see things. And if you're always like around people that think like you or that look like you, then your perspective is going to be that much more narrow. Um, and I, I like when I had jumped on road trip, um, that was my first experience, like jumping onto a beta app and it was a really new experience. Like, you know, initially it was like very buggy. Um, there were like constant updates. Like I had to go, like I, that was the first time I installed test flight. I was like, what is test flight? Um, so that was like all a really new experience. And, um, it was like, it was super cool because even that first day, like Matt and Brian, who were like the co-founders were literally in the room talking to all of us. And I was like, this is so amazing. And, um, after that, it, it just was like, Hey, if these kind of opportunities arise, like why not take advantage of them? And it's not even like take advantage of them. Like, what can you learn from them? And if you end up like seeing another person who like, you know, if I, if I'm on road trip and there's like someone who just like jumps on and it's their first time on a beta app or it's their first time on road trip, I'm like, Hey, that was me like two weeks ago. Like, let me, let me like help you out. Like, let me tell you what's like up with this app. Like, let me talk to you. Like, let me learn where you're from. Um, and I've made a lot of like meaningful connections in that way. And I think like, that's kind of just informed like how I've been like using Twitter even like after that, or like using like, other beta apps I'm like you know what ways in which like can I you know learn more about this product can I learn more about the people who made it um and I think just approaching things from that perspective just allows you to gain like a broader exposure to 
whatever it is, you know, you're focusing on. And in this case, it's like tech and product. And those are things that I'm really interested in. Um, and even though it's like kind of almost like a social way that I'm interacting, I feel like I'm also like learning a lot about spaces that I'm interested in and that'll like, you know, serve me well into the future as well. For sure. Yeah, that's, um, it's like the, du the dual social plus education is like a killer recipe. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Makes it more fun to learn too. Yeah, well, I feel like, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's an interesting point. I feel like it's why, um, one of the reasons why podcasting has not, um, has not like exploded in this educational way. But I think one of the reasons why some people like listening to podcasts is that they, they get to learn not by reading a book or like reading a report, but just hearing quanti uh, qualitatively people talking about a subject um, and a dialogue or, or monologue. And, and people think that's interesting. And they like, man, listen to this podcast and they learn something new about a market or something that they wouldn't have learned like anywhere, anywhere else. Really. It's not a book where it's like, this is what's happening in the market today, you know? Right. Absolutely. They would rather hear it on the podcast than hear their like teacher, like write about it on the board. That's right. For sure. So there is a, a kind of a, a few things we talked about this morning that, or one thing that was, that was, I want to bring back up because I thought it was really interesting. And yeah. it was the ideas of the idea of the, when you, right now we're all talking to each other on Twitter and we're usually mm -hmm. tweeting or DMing, but mm -hmm. every so often you might jump on a call with someone, you might get on a road trip. Um, and the, the, the matching and mismatching of persona, of, of uh -huh. Twitter persona and their real life persona. Um, so I, this is not an original thought. This, con this came directly from you, which is original thought from you. So I, I want you to just share, <laughs> can you just share kind of your thoughts on this or what you've observed or any stories? Just because I think it's a really fascinating insight that you have there. Yeah, um, I guess I'll preface this by saying that, um, you know, the way that I interact with people online, and I guess even if you see my Twitter feed, like, I try to present myself in the way that I am in real life, like in the most authentic fashion that I can, like, obviously, like anytime you write anything, there's going to be some amount of filtering. Um, Twitter, I do try to keep professional relatively. So there is going to be that going on. But outside of that, like, the way that I speak, the way that I write is pretty much the way that I am in real life. Um, however, I do think there is like some proportion of people that it might not match up quite so quite so well. And, you know, if you're just interacting with them on like DM or even on Twitter and it's just like the text that you see, the, the words that they put out, and you're kind of just like reading that on like the screen, I think it's, it's like very easy to kind of build up the impression that you have of someone, right? And it's not until you are faced with a different representation of them that you're like, hey, does this match up? Like if you, if you end up listening to them on a call, that's like, you know, a different platform and you're like okay does this match up with how they speak or if you see them like on a facetime call that's like you know you're introducing like video and like the picture aspect um and then obviously if it's real life it's like you know the real thing does it match up over there um and i think like by and large like most people don't think twice and they present themselves the same way across the board and so it does match up and i think in all of the instances that it matches up our human brain doesn't even think twice to like be like, oh, like 
okay, great, check mark. Like they match exactly who they are on Twitter. Okay, it matches who they are on audio. And like, great, in real life, they also match who they are. Like you're not going down like a rubric. However, I think like our brain is just like trained to pick up on like discrepancies. And so anytime that you have like a certain image of someone based on the way that they write or the way that they tweet on Twitter, and then you're presented with, you know, them presenting themselves on another platform, be it audio or video or in real life, and that doesn't really match up, I think our brains just automatically are like, whoa, like, what's going on there? Like, I thought like, X and you're kind of like, why? Um, and I've had that happen a couple of instances um, in the recent past. And I think like the first one that comes to mind was um, I interacted with someone um, over Twitter and they seemed like a very extroverted person, um, almost to the point of, you know, exuding so much confidence that they, you know, tweeted very frequently. Their um, tweets themselves were very opinionated. Um, however, I also had like the opportunity to try to engage in a conversation with them. Um, and this was actually on road trip as well. Um, and it was in a room that had multiple people. And so, you know, there's always going to be the aspect of like, do I want to talk in front of strangers? Like, obviously that can be a little bit like disconcerting. Um, but they had told me that they did want to like chat on road trip and like understand the app more and see how it worked. And I had used it for some time. So I was like, yeah, like let's talk and we can figure it out. Um, and what threw me off was they actually didn't want to want to talk and like use the audio feature on road trip because, um, they, they just like didn't want to speak in a room full of people. And that kind of threw me off because I had this persona or like this perception of them in my head that they were this extroverted person very opinionated maybe even like a loud persona um just based off of the personality that I got from their tweets on Twitter and then for them to kind of like walk that back and say hey there's too many people in the room I'm like shy or I'm nervous to speak that kind of was like oh like are they like actually an introvert like are they nervous and there was just that like discrepancy over there and my brain was just like whoa like I I didn't expect that like I don't know if <laughs> the appropriate term would be um almost like twitter catfishing like it's definitely not but that's like the first thing that comes to mind um you know they always talk about like okay you're, you're on a dating app and um this is what you think you'll see and then you go meet them in real life and you know it doesn't match up so I felt like I had a moment of that it's, it's something that I think has become more common as the world goes more digital, just even forget COVID. But now with COVID, um, this is something that I experienced a lot with an old uh, old company called Blab, um, which it was around for a hot second, which is mm-hmm. it's kind of their timing was off, which is unfortunate because uh, they would have done really well. But um, yeah, personas on Blab. Uh, which is a video chat app, were very different from their real life personas. They portrayed themselves as someone different because you can. It's the internet, um, mm-hmm. which I think is just it's going to be interesting. Um, just like because I, I, I experienced this too a little bit. I just thought that was an interesting observation from you. So I guess now what I kind of want to direct the conversation to is just open ended. What are some um, thing like? What are some things that you spend your time thinking about? Like. Maybe right now, because you just came out of Lambda, it's getting a job. Maybe it's thinking about the creator stuff. Whatever. Maybe it's Substack. Whatever. But like, what um, what takes up the space in your brain? What like what what do you spend your capacity on um, on like an average day or something that's interesting to you that that kind of comes up kind of often? Um, I think like lately it has been um, like 
product, like just in general, understanding um, different products better and kind of understanding the user base that they're catering towards. Um, I recently did like start a Substack newsletter and I'm still trying to figure out the direction with which I want to go with it. But um, I've been thinking about writing about product more so and I've been interested in learning more about how the product like came to be um and in that like I mean like the founder's story like okay why did they create the product that they did were there any pivots involved and did they create the product out of a need that they had for themselves or like a population that they saw that could, you know, use that product? Um, I've been really interested in identifying that with, you know, early startups or even products that worked. Um, I kind of had the opportunity to sit down and talk to Matt and Brian from Road Trip and kind of understand, um, you know, their entire product journey. And since that, I've been really interested in, you know, learning more about other founders and their product journeys. Um, and I think it's also kind of informed my view of just how products like are created, like the features, the the way that you need to analyze like the pain points of the the user base, and you know when there are pivots, um, why are they made, and you know what kind of translates like down the road. And I think like that's something that not only am I interested in like you know directing my career towards, but even like in the future if I choose to you know launch my own product um, and like potentially start my own thing. I think just kind of navigating the space and holding that perspective and just kind of having that at the back of my mind when I kind of consider any product will be really beneficial. It's cool that you're thinking down the like if I'm ever to start a product or run a product etc which which actually could be in your near future depending on what what kind of comes from uh, from what you want what's what your next step is like I'm kind of curious as you as you look at probably all these companies that you might want to do work with like right at the right now what what do you look for like what's something that is it what what type of qualities do you want in a, in a company what's like interesting to you what's not interesting to you um in the market as someone that just came from lambda you know you have a kind of insight into probably a lot with help from them like i don't know like how, how do you view the market right now from your perspective absolutely so i think that um it's interesting because like obviously like the pandemic has had um, a huge economic impact, but I think like tech was one of the spaces that was relatively less hard hit and in a, in a really unique way, like the pandemic has, you know, caused all of us to be inside. And I think we're going to see like a lot of new products and trends emerge from this like time um, and I think like we're already kind of seeing that and it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what products have been born out of this time period and where they go. And if they were, you know, used for specific purposes, like for example, like I've seen a lot of just like social audio come about. I've seen a lot of just social media apps, like explode a lot of like, um, telemedicine and healthcare apps like explode because we're, you know, facing like a healthcare crisis as well. Um, and it's kind of like shown a light on our healthcare system. And so I'm curious to see um, how many of those like continue to survive, how they might evolve as the pandemic, like, you know, persists or lifts. Um, and like, I've also seen a lot of um, new takes on telemedicine and just like health tech in general during this time period. And, you know, obviously given my experience in medicine and I mentioned that I'm like still very interested in medicine, um, I would love to, you know, 
go down that route and kind of like see how my experience might be able to help inform products as well. Um, so I kind of like am interested in going down that route and kind of getting involved over there. Definitely. Um, for as, as we kind of wind it out, I, I'm curious to know how you think about your next like 10 years, like your, your, your journey. I think everyone, no matter how old they are, you know, I think about my next years, like a five-year-old thing, you know, everyone thinks about what's, what's the really? path look like. So what, what do you, what do you think? Like w- 10 years from now, where, where would you maybe like, like to be? Um, and, and then, uh, if you don't know, like, that's also like fine, but just kind of talk through how you want to go through your path in tech. Um, and, uh, if there's no, if the, if you aren't sure, like that's, that's half the answer is always. So I don't know, like, do, what are your thoughts about navigating tech right now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> 10 years is a really long time, but, um, I'm going to try. So I guess, um, the first thing that comes to mind is like, I had so much of my like life, like I felt almost like planned out. Um, when I was like in high school, I was like, okay, four years of college, then four years of med school and then residency. So I, I always like had everything like mapped out. And then ever since I left medicine, I feel like I've literally had like the opposite happen where I don't really know what like, you know, is going to happen like even a year from now. And I think it's been really amazing. Even in this past year, I've like learned so much. I'm literally like breaking into a new field. I have this entirely like new network of people um, that I didn't have like even a couple of months ago. And so I think the biggest thing for me is like in the next 10 years and just like moving forward in life is to continue to grow my skill set, grow like the perspectives that I have and like the people that I might meet who can like, you know, inform my perspective even more um, and just like kind of expand the roles and the skill set that I have. I, I think I would like to, you know, maybe create like a product in the future and maybe that'll be in like the healthcare space. It, it might not. Um, I think like another space that I'm like really, really passionate about is just like women's health um, and just like safety. There, there've been like a lot of like, um, you know, instances while I was at med school that I worked with like people who underwent like domestic abuse, um, children and women. And if I could, you know, work on anything in that space that would, you know, make a positive impact, that's something that I would be really, really like happy to work on as well. So 10 years is a long time. And I'm, I'm hopeful that I will, you know, learn a lot and continue growing and, you know, maybe make something along the way. It's a great mindset. Yeah, I realized after I asked it, like <laughs> 10 years ago, I like 10 years ago, I was still deep into my singer songwriter career. Even five, <laughs> like five years ago, I was in my singer songwriter career. Like, so yeah, well, get well done handling it. Probably a harder question than it, than, than it, than it could have been. I just, I, I'm interested in how people think about their path forward. It's just like an interesting concept uh, to me. Well, for my final question, I guess two, two, two questions left. So sure. second to last question uh, is, is there anything, it's, it's like a question that Tim Ferriss asked that like I always uh-huh. try to rephrase because I don't want to like take it from him. But he has, the, he has this question, which is like, if you would put anything on a, bill, on a blank billboard, what, w- what would you put? What, I, what my version of the question is, is there anything that you just, any last thing that like you want to share, Ooh. talk about? anything on your mind, <laughs> any advice, you don't just anything. And if not, that's cool. But is it, before we finish the podcast, uh, is there anything else you want to share or talk about? Yeah, sure. So I know you're not stealing the Tim Ferriss question, but if I were to put anything on a billboard, um, 
I think I'd put ask the question. I feel like there are so many questions that people have, whether it's in their personal relationships or professionally, or, you know, they even need to ask themselves and just introspect. And they're so scared of asking the question. Maybe it's because they're not sure what the answer is going to be, or they're scared of what the like answer is going to be. But I think like nine times out of 10, or like 99 times out of 100, it's almost always better to ask the question. So that's what I would put on a billboard. And I guess kind of just tangent off of that um if I were to just like give myself advice or you know anyone in general in any like you know position I think doing things like doing more things that you're scared of is always a good thing and like just getting out of your comfort zone and just just making the leap because like more likely than not you know once you do it you're gonna be like this wasn't so bad or like you know that that kind of sucked but you know now I've done it and now I'm like less scared of it and that could apply to like you know asking for something or public speaking I can't ice skate so I might try that out this winter um like really anything and I think that's just like generally very applicable advice like anywhere I think that's very helpful for people to hear who are listening. So thank you for sharing that. I also love the billboard. I would love to just pass that billboard every day to remind me. I guess because of the podcast, I do ask a lot of questions, but you can always ask more. Always, there's always more questions that can be asked. Absolutely. To, to fi- finish it off, if someone wanted to find, learn more about you, follow you on Twitter, check out your website, I don't know all your links, but if you, like, sh- like how can people find you on the internet and um, learn more about you and kind of get to know you? Yeah. um, I mean, if you really wanted to go the old fashioned way, I guess you could find me on LinkedIn. Um, And if my name is on this episode, my my email address is, you know, my last name at gmail.com. On Twitter, it's you found Anisha, exactly how you would think to spell it. Um, And my Substack is also linked on my Twitter account and it's readme.substack.com. By the way, great Substack domain. It's a a very good domain. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on to this segment of early bets on forward thinking founders. I enjoyed the conversation. I think the people listening will have enjoyed listening to it, listening to it. And I hope I wish you best on your path in tech and definitely will stay in touch on the Twitterverse. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, you too. Have a good night. Thank you. Good night.